I'm Ted Baker in the studios of WEOS and WHWS at the Scandling Center here at the colleges, and this is the Hobart Football Podcast, Episode 31, Hobart and RPI, Saturday, 1 o'clock at Boswell Field. Joined, as always, by the head coach of the Statesman, Kevin DeWall. Welcome back. Thanks for having me, Ted. So, again, you took care of business on Saturday. 35 nothing over St. Lawrence. Strong performance uh, up and down both sides of the ball. It was really exciting to see uh, homecoming weekend. Uh, I thought our guys responded with a good week of preparation, and usually it's a direct correlation to how we play on Saturday. So it was uh, good to see all three phases play well on uh, on that homecoming win. You got Tim Denham back, and he made his presence felt right away. The offense sputtered a little bit the first couple of possessions, but then he broke one back, cut the opposite way, 51-yard touchdown run. And you always emphasize blocking from your wide receivers and from everybody. And when he made that cut back to the right and got to about the 20-yard line, I think all 10 of the rest of the team was out in front of him blocking. You got yeah, you get me excited. That's exactly what we talked about on Sunday's film session. Was uh, great individual effort at the point of attack by the offensive line and the left side, and then uh, Tim got to the second level, makes a nice cut, and then you just see a wave of uh, three or four or five guys, including um, you know a couple of receivers, running back, uh, quarterback was down there, and that's what you want to see. Those are effort plays, and uh, we talk about the things we can control at all times, and effort being one of them. Um, we don't want to ever be out efforted by teams, and uh, you know what could have been a you know 35, 40 yard run became becomes a touchdown run because of the extra effort, and it just becomes infectious and contagious to the rest of the guys. That you hopefully the next time when uh, when it's a pass, you'll see Tim setting that effort. Uh, so it, it all goes hand in hand, and uh, it's one of the standards we want to talk about. So it was good to see it kind of play out on the field. Johnny Columbia got sacked once and almost sacked about eleven other times. Uh, boy, how does he get away? Is there a couple of those? You just, I'm all ready to say sack, and then somehow he appears out of the pile and takes off. He's pretty slippery. We uh, we we uh, go out with some oil and put it on his jersey and everything. <laughs> now he he's he's stronger than most people think. He's quicker than most people think. Um, he's he's athletic. Uh, he does some different things. And and again, early in that game, especially there were some plays where either they were able to get some some rush and, and into the uh, the pocket for him and and. A couple times it was either him throwing the ball and getting out of it before someone got to him. A lot of times it's him just, uh, we talk about pocket movement, not always just escaping it, but to relocate. And sometimes he can relocate. There was one play in particular on the sack that he probably did too much and stayed in the pocket too long and we talked about it. But one of the things I like about him is like he knew it right away. He came over and said, I was doing too much. you know. And, and I love the recalibration for him to then know and how it can affect him on the next play to be able to take that into his memory and, and make sure that if that uh, same situation happens again. He usually responds in a pretty positive way. So he's um, he's done a really good job at getting us out of some some trouble throughout the year, through the season so far. And, and he'll have his hands full this week as, as they're really strong at the point of attack. And it'll be uh, tough to keep him, um, you know, making sure that they don't get to our quarterback this week. Having said that, though, he doesn't have happy feet. Sometimes running quarterbacks, when they have that ability, they take off at the first sign of pressure. He doesn't do that. He'll stand in there. He'll he'll stand in the pocket, trust his linemen, read the receivers, and then if it's not there, he I think has shown very good judgment when to take off this year. Yeah, one of the best qualities I think of a quarterback is decision making, and I think he's done a really good job, like you said, knowing when to you know relocate to still throw and and have the feet and trust the uh, trust the the pocket presentation and. I think that um, you know that that comes from experience, um, and I think the more and more he's played, the more and more he's able to do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's done a really good job, and I'm I'm pleased with his his understanding of knowing. Um, you know, he he spends a lot of time, and I I say a lot of people don't realize how much you know a lot of our guys put in behind the scenes. Him and he he probably watches more film than anyone on the team in terms of 
knowing the opponents, knowing their strengths, knowing the weaknesses. Um, you know, we we as quarterbacks we meet daily, you know, all week long, and um, there's a lot of extra time away from their academics and and everything else they're doing from a football preparation to make sure that the mental side is there for him. So I've been really pleased with his decision making, and uh, and again the pocket movement piece. You know, you mentioned running quarterback. I think he's a mobile quarterback. I think he still wants to throw first, run second, but. Um, I think he was close to being our leading rusher on Saturday, and part of that was plays that were not designed runs. And um, what that does in, in today's you know football landscape, if you really watch football at any level from the NFL down um, through, the the ruling is in some of the rules it's a pass friendly you know some of the you know the things that they've changed from the ruling standpoint but I think teams that have a mobile quarterback can stress defenses differently so um, you know we've had some great quarterbacks in our past through the the traditions and histories since I've been here that sometimes have been more mobile than others and those are the ones that usually stress the defense in some ways and I think Johnny's that good mix of right now being able to be a threat when he throws it and a threat when he runs it and I think we've seen him come along in terms of his throws. I mean, there's not a lot of air under those. He gets them there. We've seen the difference. Some of the opposing quarterbacks last couple of weeks have kind of thrown some pop flies. You've been able to pick them off. When Johnny lets go of the ball, it's it's in the receiver's hands about a second later. Yeah, and, and actually that was one of the things we had talked about when he and I watched the film together separately, that there was one or two balls where, like, we talked about their ball location, the accuracy wins more than just a strong arm. Uh, he's got the strong arm, but more importantly, he's been pretty good at knowing the timing, the flight of the football and when those windows kind of close. And there was one over on uh, St. Lawrence's sideline, you probably remember, where he overthrew Ahmad and... It was probably one of those where it needed to be a two ball versus a three ball. Um, but the best thing about it, like I said, is he internalized it, he took it, and like actually uh, last night in practice, he changed that throw. And, and that's the part is taking coaching points and then being able to apply it. That's one of the things we've talked about, and we want that for all of our guys. But um, you know, he's been able to take those coaching points where where if he's met a, um, uh, either made a wrong read or um, you know once in a while if he makes a wrong decision to not take it personally, but to be able to take it on as I'm going to be better the next time I'm in that situation. And um, that's what I really love about his poise and composure as you can coach him up and he takes it as coaching, not as a, because he wants to be great. And I think that's something that not everyone has. And uh, that's what's going to make him be a really strong quarterback for us. Okay, new term for me, a two-ball versus a three-ball. What does that mean? So you think about like a quick game, uh, the three-step, those ones that are in those four to five yards short, that's usually a one-ball. That's, okay. that's to me, that's going to be direct, no air, no trajectory. you got to fit it in a window. Two balls are those intermediate throws, you know, between a, a corner and a safety, a between a safety and a linebacker, a high-low, the middle of the field. Those are usually your intermediate balls. That's a two-ball, and a lot of times – and some of those longer balls, the 25 to 30 yards, sometimes people put too much air on it and you allow those DBs who are pretty good athletes to close on it. I'm a big believer of throwing a guy open and we talk about knowing both the angle and trajectory and velocity that has to be there because we face some really good DBs on our team and as well uh, on other teams with that, the more that's in the air, you're giving them more response time to now make a break on the football. So very rarely do we really want to throw three balls. Those are the ones up and over where you've clearly gotten behind the level. Um, and I think sometimes we face some quarterbacks that have been put too much air on it and our DBs have been able to react to it. So, yeah, I'm a big two-ball believer more than a three-ball in most situations. Ahmad Crowell had another four-catch game, had a big play, a 31-yarder. And, and we talked a little bit about this last week, how you knew he had the talent, but he didn't put it together on the practice field last year, didn't show he was ready to be on the field. How does a player make the leap? I mean, he's just come along 
so much from the beginning of the year? Is it is it film study or work in the weight room or listening coach and or all of those? Well, it's really all of the above. Uh, and actually, I had a conversation with him yesterday because I think actually productivity wise, he didn't have as good of a game on Saturday as, as he could have and would have had. And I think taking that step, kind of what I said, with, similarly with what Johnny said, is having intentional decisions to say like, don't just go off of productivity, go off of the process. Uh, I always talk about our guys trust the process. And the process will will treat you right on the way on the back end. And um, he's done a better job. And I think as soon as he embraces some of the, the decisions, the 24-7, 365 decisions you got to make away from the actual Saturday afternoon games, he has an upside that, that most don't have. And, um, and I think that's the exciting piece of it. As I told him, he's just scratching the surface. He's just starting to get a taste of the work and, and time he's putting in. And that, that's come from patience from his teammates and coaches, and there's a patience on his end to you know, not always have instant gratification on, I want to be great, but like, what's the process to get to being great? Um, and that's, that's the devil in the details. It's the little things that we strive for every single day, um, and as soon as our players embrace you know, the decisions on how to prepare their body, to prepare their mind, the film studies, the, the strength and conditioning, you know, the, to know the, what you're asked to do, but now how to problem solve all the different defenses and coverages and fronts and blitzes, you know, that's where games can get slowed down. And when you got guys who you want to play fast, you want to get to a situation where you've already done all that preparation, and now you can be confident and more uh, proactive than just reactive out on the field. It was great to see Tim Denham back just as a fan to to get to see him play at least a few more times here in his career at Hobart. I mean, I've seen uh, Blakowski was here when I started, uh, Stephen Webb. I mean, these two guys, if you combine them into one, you know, they'd be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They've shared the carries, they've shared the yards, they've shared the glory. Both have their strengths, he and Rayshon Boswell, and it's just it's been a lot of fun as a fan to watch those two play. Yeah, I talked to someone the other day, and I just said, uh, you know, both of those guys, and they're doing it right now with a young offensive line, young tight end, so they're doing a little bit more work than maybe they've even had to do in the past. But I think if when you know when we're going to honor the seniors this week for Senior Day, and and hopefully be able to you know continue the season on for as long as we can play with these guys. But when the time does come where we can actually look back on on their two careers. Um, you know, I have a lot of fond memories, more so of just who they are as people and, and the process they've done in terms of, you know, maturing as young men, as leaders. Um, obviously, great athletic ability and potential within the, each of them, but how they've done it together. Um, I think uh, I think of Steve and Bobby together, you know, and um, Ty and Jack. We've had a you know a handful of it. very rarely, like I said, it's just a one running back system. And you know, when when Tim was out, Ray took on a significant amount of the load, the leadership. You know, and EJ as a young guy has stepped in, and some of the other running backs, and and that's that's how the career's gone. There's been times where, you know, even the three years prior in their career, where Ray was healthy and maybe Tim wasn't, or Tim was healthy and Ray wasn't. You know, but when they've both been on, uh, you can just see the difference in our offense of having the ability to not just at any single time and how they complement each other on one play to the next, but when they're both on the field, you got two really dynamic leaders, two really di- dynamic athletes. And um, as an offensive coordinator, it's it's been uh, just a pleasure to really work with these two young men. I don't want to jump to next year yet, but looking at next year, I mean, an EJ Taylor, Andres Duran, one-two is not bad, and that's with whoever else might step up. Absolutely, and and, and I think what you see is uh, we got some other younger guys that I think are are going to be pretty good, and uh, 
in our world, we're going to go recruit and we're going to continue to add really good kids to that position group. And our offense will always be uh, focused on the versatility of that position. Um, obviously, you got to have great O-line play, great tight end play, great quarterback play, great wide receiver play. But um, I believe in terms of the way the offenses are, are being dictated this, you know, just in, in, in this current time frame of offense, if you have a really dynamic running back who can run the ball, you can throw to, can be involved in pass protection, I mean, they, they're pretty impactful in, in uh, overall success. Defensively, a big part of football is just limiting the big play. Lederman, the quarterback, got away once for 32 yards. Other than that, their longest play of the day was 15. And, and when you have to move the ball you know, and get six or seven first downs to go down the field, it gives the defense a lot of chances to get that stop. Yeah, I thought our defense played hard. They played aggressive. They they tackled better than they did the week prior. So we made some progress there. I also think you know we caught um, you know San Lawrence was the, to their backup quarterback. There were some other things that went in our favor. I thought on that side of the ball we we, we had an advantage. I think our defense, the the talent and depth and speed that we had there versus their offense was definitely um, showcased in terms of just the amount of you know, first downs and yardage and time of possession. Uh, I thought their defense played hard, played aggressive. Like you said early on, it took us a little bit longer to get going on offense. But I think you, you think of, you know, when you finally hit the big play and then we turn around, the defense has a score. And then even one of the other touchdowns was a short field because of special teams plays. That's the style that Hobart has won, you know, back when I was playing, even before me. And then obviously over the years, the last two decades, we're going to win off of great defense. So I think as long as we can be strong in that capacity, you know, win with you know taking care of the football on offense, be efficient when you score in the score zone, you know, be a, a defense that's going to be aggressive and, and hold down offenses and then be sound in special teams has been a recipe that worked, you know, when Coach Craig was coaching and even before that point. So, um, you know, I was, I was really pleased to see how they responded, not only the team but the defense, because I think, I think we all knew that we didn't play up to our standard in the second half of the week prior. And, you know, so what, now what? And I think our guys responded in a, in a very good way. I mean, you've got that deep defensive line. We've talked about it all year, but Don Juan McGee, boy, is he making plays. I mean, he had the sack. I think it was back-to-back. I think he had the sack one play, and then the next play, Connor Gunn tips it, and he takes it home. He is a very explosive person. So we're, we're talking about, you know, the impact that Tim and Ray had his first years. And we have other first years. You mentioned E.J. Taylor, but Don Juan has been in a very impactful first year. Uh, and probably would be starting in a lot of other places. Um, he's had a very significant role, not only on special teams, but being in that rush package. Like He's got a, a twitch and a quickness that's unlike many others. Um, so as he learns you know, to do the other stuff on the day-to-day operations in terms of block destruction and, and being able to be in every down defensive end, he could do that right now. But I think his um, ability to come in and, and, and rush the quarterback, be in the backfield, has forced some teams to kind of really consider where is he lined up and, and figuring out where, where are you going to try to get a double team on him if you can. I don't know to put the career jinx on, but who he reminds me of is Tyree Coleman. I mean, in, in size and build and speed and agility. There's a lot of parallels there, and I actually said that the other day. Like The productivity is different in terms of the impact that Tyree had his first year, and we were a four-man front versus right now being more a three-man front. So there's some things schematically that we're going to be talking about and looking at it, but if, if Don Juan's ready to do this the right way, he has a really significant future here. I always enjoy watching the defensive look pre-snap. Linebackers will come up, and sometimes they drop or sometimes they don't. Is that all called from the bench, or do they have some reads where if a linebacker comes up, 
he reads something to see whether he decides to stay on the line and blitz or drop back. It's all uh, premeditated. So, like, these guys do a great job. And we talked about Johnny watching film. All of our players do. But Coach Green and the defensive staff, along with our defensive guys, you know, by being a 3-4 defense, you know, the ability to get more speed on the field with the extra linebackers, which is a strong position for us currently right now, um, you know, and we, we mix it up. We'll, we'll play some extra D-line fronts and sometimes we put extra DBs out there. But our linebackers are smart, they're intelligent, and there's certain keys based off of, you know, the uh, formation. Um, and within the calls, that's what you have to know as an offensive line, offensive coordinator and, and quarterback is, are we being honest? Are we being deceitful in terms of where we're coming from? And a lot of it is a movement to ultimately get to where you want to be. And um, I think when we are playing at our best on defense is when we can, you know, obviously stop the other team's run, which is the big thing that I always say you got to be able to stop the other team's run, is get to the point where the other offensive line and quarterback are not 100% sure if you're coming or you're not. And the more we can disguise things, the more we can kind of marry up where the corners and the safeties and leverage they are versus the linebackers, ultimately matching up where we want to be aggressive and still pressure is doing it with some zone and then also doing it with some man techniques behind it. And I never want to leave out that secondary. You were down a man. Uh, Diallo was out hurt. Uh, Makai Rogers had made a great interception on that ball. Chris Tumba steps in. Woodard, you know, Joe McCoy, veteran guy, backing up in the secondary. I mean, it really is next man up. It really is, and, and I think we've shown it this year where we've had to go without a couple starters at different times back there. Um, and, uh, you know, no one's perfect, and no, no position's ever been asked to play perfect, but I think that, that group has done a really good job to allow us to be aggressive at the point of attack. And, and they're going to have big roles these next couple of weeks if we're going to finish this thing off the right way and finish strong. You know, they're going to have to. This this week we're playing the number one passing offense and a lot of weapons out there. So hopefully we're talking next week about how well our defensive uh, entire unit played, but our defensive backfield is going to have a huge say in, in how our defense plays against this talented offense. So let's take a look at RPI. What kind of offensive look do they show? A couple of years ago they ran the sort of the wing offense where they'd have the two wide receivers lined up behind the tackles, a lot of motion. They'd hand to them on the run. But it seemed like last year they got away from that. Are they doing any more of that? Yeah, so they had a different quarterback back then. Um, this year is the the young man who actually started, I think his first start might have been against us last year. Um, done very well. Um, he's highly efficient. Uh, they have an experienced offensive line. Uh, they have two really uh, pretty talented running backs. Um, you know, in a lot of ways similar to our running backs are guys that can make the first guy miss. And then, uh, but they're throwing the ball really, really well. And they have some talent on the, they're not necessarily in the same formation. So week to week, you know, they're going to give us, and I, and I say this in the most complimentary way in terms of when you play engineers, you know, they're, they're going to be able to be in the right spot and where they need to be. So they do a handful of different formations to ultimately get back to some of their base concepts. Um, you know, they'll, they'll try to take a couple shots and, and ultimately they'll want to run the ball, but to really set up the pass. And uh, so I think for these guys, there'll be multiple formation, but doing it more out of a spread shotgun situation. It's a very balanced offense. They're, they're very good passing, but they run for 190 a game. Does that, do you have to be less aggressive and a little more conservative against balance like that, or do you have to take some chances and really attack it? Well, I think it's game to game. You know, what we try to do, and you look at uh, some of the previous opponents, even the teams that want to be set to run, like sometimes if you're clearly blitzing, it's actually easier to run against because you can create, they can create more gaps with our movement. Um, but I also don't think you can just sit back and stay in base. So I think it's a healthy dose of both. 
ideally this is what the coordinators and, and, and the defensive staff are going to have to really try to get a good feel for is what are they trying to accomplish on certain situations based off of field zones? Where are they on the field, down in distance, uh, personnel? There's a lot of things that obviously as coaches we put into our, our game planning and play calling is ultimately trying to figure out matchups and it's that big chess game of, all right, this personnel, what are they trying to do? It's third and five at the plus 45. You know, we know they're 63% run in this situation, but, you know, and, and I think that's the fun part is, in our game, uh, in the sport of football, it does come down to there's play calls, but now it's our young men who we've, you know, as much as we can, have tried to prepare them for those situations. Can they go out and play confident and execute what's been called? And um, again, that's that's where we, we strive for playing, you know, as clean and perfect as possible. But I, I love our guys, and, and there's a lot of things going on. We have, you know, it's final, you know, there's midterms, there's classes, there's, you know, guys that are sick. There's all these other external factors. But when push comes to shove, can we go get 11 strong and play to our potential as, as often as we can from play to play? And I think that's the this game in particular. I think you're going to see two really good defenses going at it again. Uh, I think you're going to see two really calculated offenses that with really good offensive weapons. And there's no coincidence these last couple of games have come down to a possession, the last possession, and uh, you know it has the makings of that. Um, they're on paper going to be stronger in certain areas than maybe we are. Um, but I like the, the fight and resolve in our guys, and I, I hope they're going to be ready to come back with another good, strong performance here on Saturday. You've given up zero punt return yards this year, not very many kickoff return yards. Sterling Walker-Sutton has 615 yards of returns two TD returners on, on punts, an 89-yard or 70-yard kickoff, are you just going to say, don't kick the ball anywhere near him? How are you going to handle him? Something's got to give here, right? I yeah. Mean, he's a dynamic, dynamic returner. And and not that we haven't faced other good returners this year, but like he'll catch it when it's contested. He'll make guys miss. Like you said, having two punt returns uh, for touchdowns and, and obviously even a kick returns, he's had a couple that were close to breaking or got big yardage to give them short fields. He's a huge weapon, and again, you know, this is a strong team coming in because they're really, really strong on defense. Their offense is scoring a lot of points, and they're winning on special teams. So it's going to be a good challenge in all three phases. Our our, our coverage units on both punts and um, and kickoff are going to have to do a great job corralling him, you know. Um, but I, I I also believe we've been strong in those units. So I think it's going to be a combination of ball location and accuracy with our, our kickers and punters and making sure you're not giving them too much field. And at the same time, we're going to have to be down there and tackling. And the other part is these guys are actually pretty good at blocking punts. So like that's one of the reasons that he's getting a lot of returns is they're pressuring it, similar like how we like to pressure. So we're facing a very aggressive um, punt block team like we like to be. Um, so what does that do? It forces guys in blocking a little bit longer, which is a little bit slower in the coverage. You know, we give teams a different look by being spread. So I think it's, um, you know, schematically, that's also one of the things that, that strategically we're trying to do. Um, but needless to say, that's an area of focus for us this this week to make sure because one play, he can change the game pretty quickly if, if we're errant in our location or if we're not able to go corral him and make a tackle. Defensively, they play a three-man front, as many teams do nowadays. It really reminds me a lot of yours. It's very active D-linemen. They're not as deep and they don't rotate like you do, but the D-linemen make a lot of tackles and disrupt. Yeah, they call it a three-man front, but you're going to see them actually in more of a four-man front. Number 11, they call as like an outside backer. He'll drop off in some spread situations. They want to be a four-man front. He's a DN that drops off. So they're big, they're thick. Um, now, last year they had a couple fifth- and sixth-year guys that have graduated, but they have a couple back. 
um, uh, on their boundary side in particular. They have some some guys, uh, number 94 as a captain for them, number 11, both strong players who played really well against us last year. Um, I just feel like they've done a great job. Like They have as deep of a D-line as we're going to face. Um, you know, they have a handful of linebackers. They got some speed at the secondary. So there are some parallels between the two defenses. And I think both teams are going to know, like, they're going to try to win up front. And most teams have struggled scoring the ball, scoring against them because, like I said earlier, in, in, a, in a very complimentary way, they're going to be where they need to be. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to out formation them, leverage them. They, they know where they're going to be um, and they tackle well they win at the point of attack. So it's going to be a good challenge for our guys up front. And, and the, the two games that haven't gone in our favor, um, I would argue the defensive line and linebacker play has kind of disrupted our run game or being able to disrupt the, the pocket of the quarterback. That's going to be another challenge for us this week, and we're going to have to do a really good job up front to make sure that we can stay balanced in the run pass and to be able to protect the quarterback when we need to step back and throw it. I'm a big stat guy, but you have to take stats within context. They give up quite a few passing yardage, 186 a game, number six in the league. Is that something you can attack, or is that because they're always ahead and nobody can run on them? It's it's that. Um, like like last week, for example, they're up thirty five nothing pretty quickly, and all of a sudden they're starting to sub it up. So I, I think that's the stat that's not accurate. Um, they played a couple of teams earlier in the year where they got ahead of them pretty significantly early as well. So uh, against their starting group, they're not giving up many yards um, nor points. So that one eighty that you said is skewed a little bit based off of timing of it, and, and in some situations where teams have kind of. Got away, got away from the run just because they're behind and have to try to throw the ball. It sounds to me like a real key in this game is mental discipline. You've talked about them. They're going to be where they want to be. They're not going to make mistakes, and you're going to have to match that. I mean, you're not, you can't have uh, false starts on first and 10 to go first and 15. You can't have substitution penalties. you got to be very mentally disciplined this week. It really is, and I think that the game last year kind of played out that way. The game two years ago kind of played out that way that – in, in close games against you know two relatively even in terms of both talented, both experienced defenses and, and whatnot, I really look at the offenses especially. I mean, our defense is going to have to play well and tackle and do all the other things. But on offense, I mean, just look again, St. Lawrence, a couple of those early drives where we got off the field that we should have potentially stayed on and got the points, you know, there was a one we were third and one, we take a false start. You know, in those situations, uh, there was one that was a fourth down, we were going to go for it, and we had a false start. Like, those are, and I always look back at like, those are those are our mistakes. That wasn't a discretion call and all that. That was our guys being excited to make a play, and and, and we lost focus. And, and in those situations, we can't hurt ourselves in those situations. If you're going to go beat a really good defense, and and you're going to have to earn every yard. You're going to see this is going to be a physical game. It's going to be every yard's going to be earned. And um, again, when we've when we've played well, we've shown that. We just got to be able to show that we can keep it consistent for the sixty minutes. We look forward to seeing that this week. It's going to be a great game. One o'clock kickoff at Boswell Field, and then the season finale uh, at U of R, uh, a noon game on the eleventh. Uh, Coach, I always appreciate the conversation. I appreciate your time. Thank you. You can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts on Apple or Amazon or Google, and get all your athletics information at the official website hwsathletics.com. Uh, until next week, have a great football week.